Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today's big idea is that if you want to get ahead in life, you need to give before you get. That's what I discussed with my guest, Dan Horwich. Dan is the president and executive director of Camp IT Conferences. He's an active networker focused on making a difference in the professional lives of IT practitioners. He has built a win-win climate for camp's attendees, speakers, and sponsors. We discuss why money isn't the key to happiness, but relationships are. The two types of people you should avoid and the two types of people you should embrace. The difference between being nice and being kind and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Dan. I appreciate you making the time. Mark, it's my pleasure, my honor to share with your audience. One thing you said in our last conversation that really stood out was that money isn't the key to happiness. Relationships are the key to happiness. Could you speak a little, I mean, what's the story there? How did you realize that? Well, you find that as, as an entrepreneur, you know, when you get out of school and, and uh, you start building your career, whether it's in sales or another discipline, one of the things that really attracts most people is money or the idea of being successful and what that means, the things you want to aspire. And as you get situated in your career or excel in your career, you find sometimes that those shiny objects aren't always what you thought they'd be. The imagination can sort of play tricks on you. And Achievement is great. It's one of the things that we all set out to do. But along the way, you find that the things that really provide, or at least in my situation, that provide the most joy are connecting with others, are having compassion for others, empathy, building that bond. Because whatever discipline you're on, and especially if it's customer facing, the most joy you have are those continued conversations, relationships, the the ability to get on the same wavelength. And the the more conversations you have and the more impactful you make those relationships, you find that the joy is enabled through giving rather than taking. It's really an interesting phenomenon. When many of us were younger, I'm sure so many people can relate. Our parents told us it was always better to give than to receive, right? Of course. And, And during the holidays, in my case, during Hanukkah, I'm like, oh, come on, I just want presents. Like, that's how you think of the 10 year old, because your brain isn't as mature. And and as the years go on, you realize that things are just things. Things fill your house, but kindness, empathy, connection fill your heart. And when you develop that sort of mindset where it's more of a heart-centered approach, you end up realizing that it's going to attract other folks in your life that have a similar, either have a similar feeling or are trying to get to that next level of what it really means to be a caring human. And I found that to be much more fulfilling. When did you adopt that belief? Was it something that wasn't just natural because of your parents as a kid? Was it something that happened in college? When did you really adopt that and start living that belief? I think I was always capable of it. I have, uh, I'm fortunate I have um, two loving parents. I was fortunate to have uh, four wonderful grandparents. Um, But will I say that that's what caused it to happen? I think part of it was how I was raised, but there was a pivotal moment about five years ago when I was sitting down with my father and brother for a guy's night out um, in the suburbs of Chicago. My father looked at my brother and said, did you tell Danny what we found? And my brother said, no. My brother looked at me and said, do you remember that suitcase that grandma and grandpa had growing up? And I said, I do. He said, do you know what was in it? And I said, no. He said, well, neither did we. And 
mom didn't want to discuss it, didn't want to touch it, touch the topic. And so one Saturday afternoon, mom went out. As my, as my brother's retelling the story, my brother ran over there, helped my father open the crawl space, open up the suitcase. All the original letters that our grandfather wrote to escape the Holocaust, he saved, including the passports with the swastikas on them, all these family photos, really a treasure trove. Wow. And I knew the story growing up. He passed away in the uh, in the early 80s when I was a young kid. But it wasn't until seeing those archives, seeing the final letters, seeing all the documents, that it made me realize just how lucky I am to be here. In essence, my grandfather was rescued from Dachau, brought to Chicago, introduced to my grandmother, and now the three generations that are here. If it weren't for that one act of kindness, I don't exist. My brother doesn't exist. My mother, my daughters, my brother's sons, that lifeline, or I should say that lineage, gone. So my sense of gratitude is that I won the lottery. I'm lucky to be here. There's no reason I should be here. Now, with that comes a sense of, if I'm lucky to be here, and there's a certain amount of guilt, because if the Holocaust didn't happen, I wouldn't exist. So how do I make sense of the fact that I'm here in a certain way because something very tragic happened? So the way I have to live my life is I have to go around enabling other people where I can. Um, and I have to have a paid-forward mentality. And I have to understand that the fact of my existence is obviously due to those tragic events. But more importantly, it's due to the kindness of a stranger in Chicago who put himself on the line and could have gotten in significant trouble for doing what he did, rescued my grandfather, introduced him to my grandmother. And so I can't repay that debt because those folks, that family, they're all gone. That's 84 years ago. So while I can't pay it back, you pay it forward by connecting others. And the beauty of this approach of having that sort of mindset of connecting others and paying it forward is it brings a lot of joy. And going back to the earlier point I mentioned about the happiness, what I call the happiness quotient or the trajectory of happiness, the more you help others authentically, zero expectation in return, and I'll explain that in a second. It, the compounding of happiness is similar to the compounding of interest in a financial investment, which is it compounds over the years and years and years. Similarly, the more you help others, you get a certain amount of joy, and that's impactful, and that compounds, and that compounds. And it becomes more like um, an addiction in the positive sense, where there are many bad things in life you can get addicted to, but there are also very good things like kindness, like moving the needle forward for others because it brings you joy. And I remember having this argument with my wife about, can one truly be selfless? And my wife's comment was, you can never truly be selfless because if you're helping other people and you're getting joy out of it, that's not being selfless, you're getting something out of it. And in a sense, she's right. But if you're getting happiness out of it, you wanna stay happy. And that is something that is contagious. If you're doing the introductions or networking for money, fame, status, ego, whatever it is, you're doing it for the wrong reason because that's transactional nature. It's it's stuff that you're trying to acquire or people are trying to impress. It's more about living a life of gratitude of happiness because just as hatred has shown to be contagious, so is kindness. So I tell folks, you've got to draw a line. You know, you've got to figure out where your line is in your life and your compass. And by enabling others. Not only do you find happiness, but also that contagion can spread 
in, in a positive sense. And then those folks, many of them start acting on it because they take it as a cue that maybe they should be enabling others as well. And then it has a cyclical effect. Well, and you had mentioned as, as people are start to build these relationships and they're getting happiness from it, to be aware that there's four types of people that you that generally there's always going to be more or less, but you, you mentioned four types of people that you're going to run into that you should be aware of. So you treat the relationship accordingly. Yes. Yeah. You know, I coined this term through all the networking I've done over the years. And, and I think it's very true. I'm, I'm pretty um, open-minded individual, but I think when you come across certain personality types, there really are four, at least I've seen them. One, it's the narcissist, right? You're only going to be of use to them if they can use you to get what they want. It's never going to be a bi-directional relationship. If you're not a value to them, you're never going to hear from them again. I've come across, you know, a bunch of them and you learn from them. There's always, you can always learn something from someone. Even And I wouldn't say it's a bad experience. It just sharpens your saw. It, it makes your antennae a little more acute. So that's bucket one. Bucket two are the folks where it's more interesting watching paint dry than talking to these individuals because nothing seems to resonate with them. You can't connect with them. And it's not that they are necessarily narcissists, but they don't have the ability to connect the dots or to enable others. And it's just who they are. So you're never really going to scale. Bucket three are the folks that really are kind and decent. They don't know how to pay it forward. But they're coachable. I give an example of someone I used to work with, and I called this individual up a couple of years ago and said during the pandemic and, and said to this individual, you know, if they're folks that you used to sell with, they're now at other companies. Do you think those individuals would entertain the conversation about getting involved with my organization? And his comment was, Danny, why didn't I think of that? And I mentioned that because taking me out of the equation for a second, when someone says, Why didn't I think of that? That means they're capable of it. They just need a little bit of coaching, a little bit of product, mm -hmm. product sense. And then bucket four are the folks that are pay it for. And I give, you know, and I would say that's one to three percent of of individuals. And why that is is, you know, in my case, I'm on a mission. If someone didn't save my grandfather, I don't exist. So for me, I have to live that legacy to help really sort of justify, in some ways, my existence. Right, given the the tragedies that my grandfather and his family went through. So I have to pay it for it. I always have to be connecting. So I tell everyone that when you, in business and in life, when you want to scale both your happiness and scale your business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're working for uh, a company, whatever it is, you want to surround yourself with folks in buckets three and four. Because buckets one and two, you're never going to scale with narcissists and you're always going to be feeling left empty emotionally mentally drained, those folks aren't going to change. They're just not capable of it. They don't, you know, they don't have a certain level of empathy. And the ones where it's more exciting watching paint drive and connecting with these individuals, they're not going to get it either. And they're not bad folks. They just, they're just not wired that way. So you want to surround yourself with the folks that are wired that way, those that are capable of paying it forward, who are decent, who are kind. And then those that really pay it forward. Now, let me sort of differentiate between being kind and nice because I've had polite disagreements with folks on this. There's a difference between being nice. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. I think I think anyone can fake being nice if they want mm -hmm. to get something. 
I think kindness comes from your soul and comes from your heart. And I think you can tell when people are being kind or they're just being nice because kindness has more depth in terms of the effort. Nice may be, oh, you know, let me uh, let me help you with that. Let me give a suggestion on it, or if it if if it meets a certain goal. Kindness goes, I think, a step further where you often help folks where it has absolutely nothing to do with what you do. It's because you enjoy seeing others grow and scale, and it warms your heart. I think we're at a point in time now, not that it that this hasn't been consistent at any other point in time now that. Um, Kindness, like I was mentioned before, can be contagious just like hatred is. And because there's so many divisions in this country on a number of different issues, you can have different beliefs than someone else. You can have different ways of doing things. But if you have the same thought process on being kind, you can build rapport and build relationships with people who may have diametrically opposed views from you, but you connect maybe and being kind and being thoughtful and helping others. Well, as you're building these relationships, how do you balance the kindness and happiness, what you're saying makes sense? How do you balance that with what, at the end of the day, especially for an entrepreneur, you, you got to make money, happiness, you know, you can't pay the mortgage or the office rent with happiness. Where's that balancing act? How does that work? It's something, I'm so glad you brought that up, Mark, because it's something I was thinking about earlier today. I had, <laughs> I had, uh, some weeks I have 20 to 40 Zoom calls where it's just networking a lot of it's paying it forward. And that that's such a great question. And here's why. Because at the surface of that question is, well, if I'm helping all these folks, how do I generate revenue? Mm-hmm. And if I'm going around just helping people, it has nothing to do with my business. How am I staying in business? I can't go around just helping everyone. I remember networking with someone about two years ago. And she sold services to small businesses. She said she has to network all the time to get business because cold calling doesn't work. But there's only so much time she has to network because she has to close business, right? It's kind of a conundrum, right? So what I say is you have to go and pay it forward, but hook up with other people who have a strategic mindset, who think that way about paying it forward. 2020, I should have been out of business because I do on-site conferences. It was COVID. So I pivoted, ended up doing 77 virtual events. We stayed afloat, did well. Last year, we did rather well. And why is it? Is it because I'm some master salesperson? Maybe. Is it because the conferences are great? That's for others to judge. I attribute to paying it forward so much and connecting so many folks that now I probably get anywhere from 10 to 20 introductions a week to other networkers. Wow. Now, easily, easily. Now, are those folks prospects for me? No, 90% are not. But if you network and connect with another people, you're going to get introductions. At the same time, if you're delivering a quality product to your customers and you figure out how to network with them besides the business transaction you're doing, they'll then introduce you to their peers at other companies. That's how you do it. So you pay it forward. You develop a reputation for paying it forward. You add value in your offering. And then you connect with your customers who are like-minded and get them to introduce you to other folks. That's the magic. That's so other, it sounds like you're saying other people are going to want to pay it forward to you because you're doing it for them. If you focus on buckets three and four, if you focus on buckets one and two, that's not going to happen. But you have to, and even the people that are decent and kind don't always know how to network. So I would I always tell everyone that when you're going to network with folks, ideally you want everyone to have a paid forward mentality. 
But the reality of it is, like I was quoting before, the one to three percent. You know, I don't say that. It's not that I have a survey, you know, a survey on that and asking people if they're paying it forward. No, it's just kind of my gut feel on all the people I've met with. I could be being too conservative. I could be, you know, being uh, be too generous with that estimate. I, I don't know. So the ideal state is to get to the other pay it forward networkers. And here's the other thing. There's a, it's, it's really symbiotic. The more you help others, they're going to want to help you. Versus if you approach those people first about selling them something, maybe put it off. If you approach those people first about helping them, enabling them, introducing them, mm -hmm. then they're going to they're gonna want to help you back. It's human nature. People generally like to help those who help them, whether it's staying in the good graces, whether it's they feel indebted, whatever the reason is, it comes back around. And if you stay, if a person stays consistent with that mindset, great things happen. I'll give an example. So there's a gentleman that I, I really enjoy talking to, and he had made a comment to me. This is probably right before the pandemic, and he had said, "You know, Dan, I've made, I've made so many introductions for folks, I've connected folks, but it hasn't come back to me, so I've stopped networking." And I said, "And he said, what do you think?" And I said, "Well, that's when you need to put your foot on the gas pedal." He's like, "But it hasn't come back to me." I said, "Well, you're looking too short term." You may introduce these folks and you may not get anything for two, three years from that group. But in the meantime, things may fall in your lap because other people find things because they see you have that mentality and other people you haven't even helped will help you. You always have to be networking, always have to be connecting. It's got I spend easily 40, 50% of my time every week networking, easily. But because that of that mindset and that effort and then ironically it makes the sales process that much easier because you've already developed trust you've already developed believability you've How already shown, shown that you have care and concern for others so instead of having a cold call connect people are making warm intros for you and that takes some of the effort out of connecting with your ideal prospects we said you have to stay consistent and perfect story with what that uh, that person told you it's not coming back to me yet how do you stay consistent during those times when it's like, what the heck am I even doing this for? How do you do that? You remove emotion and you make it all about logic. Go on. I've learned in business. Well, let me sort of step back. I've learned in business that all the decisions you make have to be based on logic as much as you can. Now, some will say that people buy based on emotion. Sure. But if you're running your business, and you're making decisions based on emotion, nine out of 10 times, you're gonna make the wrong decision. You have to follow logic. And I'll, I've also thought there are only a few times in life where you allow yourself to get really emotional. Because I think most emotion is wasted. And let me give you an example. When you propose to your spouse, that's not always a logical decision, right? It's based on emotion. Yeah. Depending, <laughs> on, depending, on, the, depending <laughs> on the relationship you have with your significant other. If you're fortunate enough, if you, when you decide if you're fortunate enough to be blessed with the ability to have children, that's another emotional decision. Because if you if you do it based on logic, you can always say it's not the right time. I got other things I have accomplished. And sadly, when someone's ill or someone passes away, you end up responding with emotion, whether it's the decisions, what to do or how to handle it, whatever. But everything else should be guided by logic. Because emotion tends to cloud one's judgment. So you raise a great point about how do you stay positive when it's not happening? Because part of it's a numbers game. And if you keep doing, you keep doing, you keep doing it, things fall into place. If you're judging 
every introduction you make by what you get back on it, you're going to be let down because now you're doing it from purely a transactional perspective. Where you where you have to be focused on is on a relationship perspective. There are people I've helped out a bunch of times. I haven't they haven't helped me out, but I know they've helped other people out. So the whole goal is if I help this person, can they help a bunch of other folks out? And sooner or later, it comes back to in, in magical ways. Like I was saying, 10 to 20 introductions a week, sometimes I get more. Because people trust that I've done right by them. They're going to introduce me to other people. If you're guiding it based on tit for tat, if you're thinking that I make this many introductions, this, if, if you're putting numbers about how many introductions you make, you're doing it the wrong way. You can't keep score at all, period. Because then you're measuring, you're putting metrics based on it. And there are a lot of things that happen. It could be timing. It could be... These people, you know, they're passing ships in the night. They were able to connect there with, with the people you introduce. And had they connected, maybe they introduced someone else and come back to you. There, there's so many variables that happen that you have to play the long game on it and play the long game. And even people at the end of their career should be still networking. Because even into retirement, maybe they want some relationships with folks. But also, they show, you know, I've read studies that as you age, I saw something on, on one of the... Uh, news websites recently that said that one of the best ways to stave off or prevent dementia or whatever those things are later in life is to be social, to have relationships. So I think networking, building rapport, showing kindness. If you do, if you know, if you search this on the web, you'll see that there are a lot of psychological studies, psychiatric studies, health studies overall, that have shown the benefits of constantly connecting. So it supersedes business, but it's also about personal life. If you're someone that doesn't like people, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, right? Because there are there are misanthropes out there. But candidly, for me, it provides more joy about connecting, helping, giving. In a lot of ways, that's the payback. If I go to bed at night knowing that I helped a bunch of people, and even, it, 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 let's say no business came in the door that day, I'm okay with that. Because you're putting enough good out there that it comes back. And before the pandemic, I'm not sure I really believed in karma. I, I, you know, you start to think about good things happen to bad people and you know, how do I trust the universe? But I reversed my thought process because now that I get all these introductions, now that I get people that are reaching out to me, not just for business, but just to say hello, to connect, it brings a lot more joy. And it's purely from what you put out in the world. If you're kind, and to that, that person that I was talking about before, and to your follow-up question on that, if someone gets stymied by that and doesn't want, you know, wants to give up, that's when you work twice as hard at it. And the other trick that I do is I have a canned email that sits on my desktop where I double-click on it and type in two names and send it. Why? Because I don't have to type up emails, but at least it gets people, if you want to get people moving, you want to have positive motion. And that's really what leads to the ultimate success. Beyond the value you're providing, Everything is a relationship business. Sooner or later, whatever people sell will become commoditized, especially in the product space. But what never becomes commoditized is the relationship. Well, we covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. When it comes to happiness, relationships being the key to happiness, if you were to have one thing, just do this or just take on this belief system, one thing, what, what would you say to people? This is the most important part about relationships leading to happiness. Well, there's something we covered or something you haven't touched on yet. Servant leadership. I would say anytime you want to take a step out in this arena, 
you want to, anytime you meet with, you want to leave them, the goal of made servant leadership and leaving people in a better place than where they were 30 minutes before. That is my goal for every networking meeting, even if I'm in sales meetings, whatever it is, give people an idea that's unrelated to what I'm selling. Connect with them. Show them how you can help them with relationships in your network. I always think that as a networker, our job is, um, our unofficial job or role is to light people up, contribute to their happiness, help them put food on the table, help them find value in their own lives. When you do that, it becomes magnetic. They get supercharged. They're going to go home and tell their spouses, their kids, folks at, at their church, synagogue, mosque, wherever, how someone cared. And that's what they remember. And if you want, want them to remember something about you, it's how you made them feel. Did you leave them a better mindset? I have friends right now that are going through divorces. I have friends that have gone bankrupt. I have friends that are ridiculously successful financially. I have friends that have children that are challenged. The home life is challenged. I think that the common thread of happiness in, in these folks, where they find it, is gratitude. So I say living a life of gratitude, leading with servant leadership in your network, and wanting to put people in a better place. Excellent way to close. And if people want to find you online, where should they go? They can just find me um, on LinkedIn. I have uh, I have my profile up there. Um, and uh, Or if they want to find my website, it's campitconference.com, and you can connect with me through there as well. And on LinkedIn, for the listeners, it's Dan and then H-O-R-W-I-C-H. Correct. Dan Horwich. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate the time. This has been awesome. Great. Thank you, Mark, for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing Podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.